0: I'm Rand Elliott, my wife, Mary Beth Elliott. Amy is our only child. She's bright, she's
1: beautiful, she's
0: kind. She really is amazing, Amy. And you know, there are millions of people out there who grew up with her and care about her.
2: We care about her, we love her and we just want her
1: back. Amy is a decorated scholar. She forged a successful career in journalism. She returned here to her husband's hometown, and she made a life in her adopted home. Now, Amy needs your help. We're establishing a volunteer headquarters at the Drury Lodge. We have a hotline, 1-855-4AMY-TIPS. And our website is www.findamazingamy.com.
2: Take-Up to America is presented by the good people at the Bodbelly Belly Network.
1: My fellow Americans,
2: we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in a- history. Number protect number us. 20th Century university. university. A study on, a- a study on why is real. A study on why a- is called
3: genocide. Google it. called pimboside coming to an end everybody wanted everybody everybody, all the details about the line this that we had in our possession had in our possession there's an old saying in tennessee i know it's
2: a taxon prophecy
3: Boom. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 256 of the and Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P., and sitting right across from me, is the brown recluse mr archo art say hello to the million say what's up to the millions
0: and millions what's up sorry the reason i started kind of laughing before we like as we were introducing ourselves was because i was like i was thinking of just ignoring jacob and just start yelling like yeah but that would do. i thought that'd be really funny but then i was like no i better not do that it's not gonna make sense
3: yeah uh but anyways guys i thought to... you were laughing because you were thinking about april O'Neil and jordan shit oh no
0: um dude i can only Imagine like, like April O'Neil hitting on Jordan, and Jordan going, "No, dude, I'm out of your league." <laughs> <laughs> uh, clearly, I'm out of your league. <laughs> this is uh, my body is a wonderland, and you're clearly a, a, a not my league. Go try the dumpster. Uh, anyways, <laughs> or Art Trail's house. So go try. Call my buddy Art. He might be interested. We don't know, but. Anyways, I'll sneak in the yabba yabba
2: yabba dabba do
0: in there at some point. okay. Um, but I just thought it was funny. For some reason, I was like, dude, that's too funny. Uh, but anyways, guys, go to k Check out um, K-Man Coffee's entire inventory. They got the coffee beans. They got the hibiscus tea. They got the cacao butter. They have sweatpants. They have hats. Everything your heart desires and more. Uh tell Martin Jacobs since you use promo code America to receive 15% off. When you use 15% off, take a picture of yourself drinking the coffee, drinking the hibiscus tea, wearing the sweatpants, wearing the hats. Tag us. Tag them. It shows that you care. We appreciate it. You appreciate me. whatever. The whole world appreciates it. Except <laughs> for Jordan. Jordan doesn't appreciate it. He doesn't appreciate shit. Tag Jordan in it as well. Dude, every every single picture, from now on, every post I make on Instagram, I'm going to tag Jordan in it, whether it relates to him or not.
3: <laughs> and speaking of Jordan and tagging pictures or whatever, guys, make sure you <laughs> check out our other sponsor, guys. Uh, the great, powerful Nicole Smith Bosch has a wonderful Array of merchandise that she designed by herself uh, with her own two blood diamond digging hands. So uh, head on over to sukerapparel dot com. Cotton picking hands. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
3: yeah, so going over to sukerapparel uh, check out all of her inventory and everything that that Jordan. And seuss from the Words Are Hard podcast have bought. Uh, when you find something you like, enter promo code Art and Jacob. And Nicole will give you 10% off your entire purchase. But Art, we are not here to talk about Jordan all the live long day or fucking. All the live laugh day. All the live laugh day. <laughs> or fucking uh, pornographic actresses named April O'Neill. Art, what are we here to talk about today? Guys, we're here to talk about a case that a lot of you
0: have requested uh it was all over the news a few years ago. This is the uh i guess the disappearance of amy Elliott dunn mm-hmm. uh and it was uh it was a big case a few years ago. Some of you guys might remember it um but yeah. Pretty
3: pretty wild case. Yeah. It's um it's one of those cases that I'll say like everybody knows about Scott and Lacey Peterson, obviously. Yeah. It felt like that shit was happening a lot during the time period. Like two
0: thousand seven. We made a couple of two thousand seven jokes mm-hmm. earlier with like the Motorola Razor days or whatever,
3: but like this shit was happening a lot in two thousand seven. Correct, yeah. And it always seemed like it was like some shady like husband or boyfriend that kind of looked like ryan reynolds or dane cook like you know yeah. like he just kind of had like that frat boy look to him kind of had like a really like out of his speaking of jordan and out of his league like he always had like some out of his league girlfriend and whatnot
0: mm. or like at one point he was in the league and then he just like let himself go a little yeah, bit yeah it's like out of shape ryan ryan reynolds or yeah. not, is it ryan reynolds yeah yeah who's the dude with the mustache something reynolds Burt Reynolds? Burt Reynolds. That's yeah. the guy I was thinking of. Burt yeah. Reynolds. Throw him in that category, too. Rest in peace. Oh, he's dead?
3: Beer. Yeah, dude. Oh, man, I feel bad. Never mind, But he dude. lived a long life. He he, he lived, he, he laughed, he loved. He a loved. long, healthy life, dude. <laughs> he, he was like 89 or some
0: shit. Every day I wake up, dude, first thing I do is I, I thank my Lord and say, Yabba, Yabba, dude. <laughs> I'll live another day.
2: <laughs> yabba, Yabba, dude. I'm
0: still awake. I'm still alive. <laughs> I knew I was going to sneak it in there somehow.
3: <laughs> that's how you talk to the baby Jesus? Yeah, that's how I wake up every morning, dude. He sees a picture of uh, a nativity scene and shit, and he's just like, but never do, Dude, this guy I used to work with
0: a long time ago, he would always do this terrible joke. It was just, I heard it so much, he would always be like, my grandpa used to always say, it's better to be seen than then bued and like you get it like you had a viewing like when people oh, it's like and everybody, and like old people love that joke he used to say it so much i wish i would have been i wish we still worked together because i would be like uh, you know every day i wake up man <laughs> i just first thing i do is thank the lord the second thing i do is say yeah but never i'm still alive <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh my jesus christ i missed that guy <laughs> But anyways guys, uh, two thousand like like Art was saying, two thousand seven was a crazy, crazy, crazy time. Um, I feel like too, like this is like when cable news starts to get like really yeah, get yeah. ramped up or whatever. Well we weren't at that like Facebook level where like every single thing on
0: Facebook was like shared this story, whatever, whatever. There was a little bit of like the MySpace era, mm-hmm. but the MySpace era was slowly starting to go away. Yeah. So You know, like media, and even MySpace. Like people weren't sharing stories like they are now. Like everything's like,
2: oh, like fucking Russia
0: sharing zombie AIDS now, and like that's how like fast news travels.
3: Yeah, back then though, like it was just like your six o'clock news, or like if you were balling out of control and you had like cable news or a cable subscription or whatever. Yeah, like you had your CNBC and your Fox News and your CNN or whatever. Did you
0: ever have like a box, like a cable box, as a kid? Yeah, where like stolen cable.
3: Yeah, <laughs> the little black one, yeah. Yeah, where,
0: like, he could steal cape. Dude, that was, like, the dopest thing ever, man. I'm pretty sure, like, there's got to be something like that now where, like, I'm missing out. Like, I refuse. Yeah, it's called, it's called an Am- a
3: jailbroken Amazon stick.
0: Oh, dude, those aren't, like, legit. Like, those are, like, they work half the time. Sometimes it's, like, you're trying to, like, stream, like.
3: The UFC fight or whatever.
0: UFC fight. You could, you could get away with, like, the UFC fights if you have, like, uh, a BPM that lets you get out with those. But, like, dude, UFC fights are the easiest thing to, like, fucking steal. Like, I don't think I paid for a UFC fight in, like, a while now. At least it's been, it's been at least, like, a year and a half since I paid
3: for a UFC oh, fight. man, it was, like, UFC 200 or whatever, which is, like. I think
0: the last one I paid for is the one that
3: we watched here together. Like, yeah, I, McGregor versus Khabib.
0: Yeah, that was, like, the last one that I was like, I'm going to pay for this. Because I don't want any interruptions. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and then, like, then after that, I was like, oh, you can just, like, ignore b p m and shit. And you can just go to Facebook Live, <laughs> and there's always, like, some cholo, like, he's like, hey, yo, check it out. I'm at the fucking homeboy's house or whatever. Yeah. My she cooked up some enchiladas. Yeah. And, like, it's just, like, them, like, you know, putting Facebook Live to their TV. And that's literally how I watch, like, all my... I probably shouldn't put that out there to the millions and millions of I whatever. I shouldn't have said the BPM that... <laughs> Yeah, Use ExpressVPN, uh, promo code yeah, Art and use Jacob. Use
0: whatever VPN you like.
3: Yeah. But um, anyways, uh, 2007 timeframe or cable news. It's like that post 9-11 world or whatever where it's just like yeah. everybody's invested in cable news. I feel like- Everybody's watching. Everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, exactly. And like the the tail end of Frasier because I think Frasier- you know, Frasier
0: is Dude, you're not the only person I know that like fucked with Frasier that long.
3: Hey baby, I hear the news is calling. Toss salad and scramble Says a days. lot about you, Jacob.
0: Oh my! <laughs> Does he say something like that at the end? <laughs> they're coming again. Oh, they they're
3: coming again. Oh, dude, that's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's in a post 9 11 world where like everybody's kind of got like their hooks into cable news. Right. Uh, you got like you know figureheads like Nancy Grace, like where they'll talk about you know. Um, uh, uh, Casey Anthony, like, you know, killing her baby and whatnot. And, like, it, it'll just be, like, this nonstop, dude, like... Casey de- Anthony, we need to cover, dude. Hell, yeah, we do. Like, but just demonization of, like, these individuals where it's just, like, they put them on the cross and they they crucify these individuals and whatnot. And you, sa- you saw it with, like, Scott Peterson. He hadn't been fucking convicted by a court of law. With Scott co- Peterson, But dude. Scott Peterson, he was convicted by in the court of public opinion. And this is like kinda like this case, yeah. but it has a couple of twists. It's not cut and dry, where it's like, yep, Scott Peterson, he cut he killed his pregnant wife and now, now they gotta find him in the deserts in Modesto. Um uh, uh, but this one this one's a little bit more interesting and I think it's important that we cover this one first. Yeah. Before we cover like, you know, Casey Anthony and, you know, Scott Peterson. For sure, man. Peters this is
0: and, one that you've been like very passionate about. Yeah. You've been fucking pounding on this one. I was like, dude, let's cover Cover Scott Peterson, dude. Cometown for some reason was talking about S- Scott Peterson. They started calling him Ska Peterson, <laughs> and he was like really into Ska music. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's the funniest thing ever. That's a great episode of Come Town. So, Shout so out to Cumbetown. Lacey
3: Peterson's death was accidental. He was just he was just skanking, yeah. He just knocked her head off like Johnny and Cage. He like,
0: got skanked into the ocean with a the, with the live fetus <laughs> inside it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, that shouldn't be funny, but it is. But anyways, Art, do you want to go ahead and jump into it? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So, a little quick background um, on Amy Dunn. Uh, Amy Dunn uh, grew up in New York. Um, yeah. Actually, uh, Amy Elliot. That's 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 Amy her. Amy Elliot Dunn. Yeah, that's her 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 maiden name. Uh, she actually grew up in New York to uh, two uh, author parents. Uh, they had a series of children's books. Uh, but their most uh, famous book that they have was a series of books called "Amazing Amy." Uh, now they were loosely based upon their actual daughter, uh, Amy Elliott. Uh, however, it was a little it was a little janky, as um, you know, Amy would later on to go on to say uh, that you know if uh, if amazing a if if she in real life you know if she started playing cello, amazing a- Amy would all of a sudden become like this like uh, prodigy, even though like in real life like she sucked at cello and got frustrated with it and quit or whatever. The next book would be all about how mm. like Amazing Amy was like this. If she fucking-
0: wanted a dog, she didn't get the dog, but Amazing Amy in the books got the dog.
3: Yeah. So it was always like the, the, it was her, but like a more perfect version of her that her parents were like, kind of like mirroring onto her. So it was like, it was all these expectations for her to live up to. Uh, but, you know, in the end though, it kind of, uh, inspired her to be, like, this uh, this great person. As you know, she graduated from Yale and Harvard. Uh, she actually, you know, went on to, like, write for, like, the New York Times. Um, and when she was, like, when she meets her husband, her future husband, she was uh, writing, you know, personality quizzes for the New York Times. But she was killing it, you know, because she was living in a fancy, you know, fucking loft, like, in Trump Tower or some shit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, her husband
3: also a writer, mm-hmm.
0: uh, Nick Dunn. He's also a writer. Uh, he was writing, kind of also doing like personality quizzes himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doing like kind of like guys, uh, tips to 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 women, like understanding women, kind of personality
3: type of things. Which was a big thing too, like uh, like how to like fucking um, how to lose a guy in ten days, or, or what's um, that? There was like some VH1 show, like the. <laughs> The the pickup artist like that was like a big thing like back like in the mid like there was bots. a lot
0: of uh what's that one thing where like guys are celibate um, <laughs> incels there was a lot of incel action like before incels were incels yeah like there was the pickup artist yeah the
3: pickup <laughs> artist was gonna lead you uh, lead pa- you to the promised land pa-
0: it, yeah dude like but that was not a thing like I never heard of incels till recently but. Definitely like pickup art. This was like incel. Like, there was some incel energy coming from here. Oh, yeah, definitely. When uh. you
3: watch, like,. So there was this whole like VH1 show called the bit the Pickup Artist, where mm-hmm. it was like this total nerd dude, and he put on like this weird fucking Mad Hatter top hat with like these Usher like ski glasses. Jacob,
0: I'm worried about you, man. Like you used to watch fucking. It sounds
3: like you know a lot about Pickup Artists. I thought I was just making a Pickup
0: Artist joke. No, it's a you're, real you're, thing. No, I know. I, I trust me. I, I believe that you know that it's a real thing. <laughs> 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 but like uh, you're out there watching Fraser and pick up
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fraser's over, turn on the pickup Frazier, artist. Fraser ended at <laughs> seven for me to
3: learn learn the ways of the pickup artist. Here we go. Put the wig on. <laughs> <laughs> top hat. Top it was, hat, sorry. It was top hat. But anyways, you could tell he was a total fucking nerd or whatever. Yeah. And I guess like he was studying like sociology or some shit. And so like he would go to bars like how to like you know pick how and watch like you know the dudes that were successfully picking up girls and he actually like, wrote like a textbook about it oh, and wow. then fast forward like 10 years later like he's like the biggest player of all time or whatever cuz he found the scientific method on how to fucking pick up girls or whatever yeah. and then he ends up having like some fucking VH1 reality TV show uh, but it ends sadly because like he actually gets married and like loses his wife cuz he can't he can't he can't quit the game man he keeps yeah. on playing all these women or whatever but it was a sad lifestyle. You
0: know, one of the things, this is a true story. I won't name names, but, like, I think, I, I like, that sounds sad. Like, oh, <laughs> I'll yeah. be honest with you. That sounds, not not that he lost his wife, but, like, the <laughs> fact that he had to, like, come up with, like, a notebook and all, like, a book. Like, this is how you talk to women or whatever. That's the sad part to me. But I think at one point I felt like I was, when I was younger, I was definitely, like, that guy. Like, how do I talk to girls? Like, oh yeah. and then, like, I think it was a... Uh, a dude that we used to work with that like there was a girl i was like really into and like he just went for it like i was like oh man that sucked like this dude just went for it yeah and like ever since then i was like well what's the like what's like you're, you you know you you miss every shot you don't take like mm-hmm. and since since then i was like well that's it like that since then, it was like a, a switch was flipped and i was like oh i just do whatever i want like i got this like you either believe in yourself or you don't like sometimes you see like those big fat dudes right and they're like dating like a really hot chick i always think like dude like either you you either got it or you don't like i'm not saying like i'm like some swab like super good looking guy or anything like that um but like you either like you're either cool or you're not and that's it
3: yeah that's why jordan can turn down april Yeah,
0: dude look at jordan dude What's that thing that walk that Conor McGregor does? The Vince McMahon, swag? the Vince McMahon millionaire walk or whatever. Yeah. Like that's dude. That's how I see Jordan every day. Right? <laughs> I just see Jordan just walking and was like, "Go get a fucking car." He's like, "I own a car. I own six of them. Damn." I just rather walk. Nice. I'm like, Damn, dude, that fucking dude's a baller. No wonder he's turning down April O'Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Continue your. Do story. you know who
3: else was a baller and a shot caller huh? and a fucking player pimp? Nick Dunn, Nick Be- Dunn. I'll, because I'll, they actually whatever. meet um, uh, January eighth, two 2005, uh, kind of like at a writer's party where it was kind of like one of those, uh, like a mixer event. Like, you know, we got a network and blah, 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 here's my business card or whatever. And here's Amy. She's like a dime piece or whatever. And like she's surrounded by like all these like nerds and whatnot. And then here comes, you know, this suave Ryan Reynolds looking character or whatever. And uh, he just knows how to talk to her, you know, because she keeps getting approached by, you know, nerds like, hey, you know, hey, what's your favorite color? What's this or whatever? She's totally like turning them down. Uh, and he comes up to her. and He goes, you know what? Like, hey, my name's Nick. He's wearing a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> he got some fucking ski glasses on and shit. No, but he goes, hi, my name's Nick. And um, no, he actually goes up to her, I think. Um, I think the the Wikipedia says. And he goes, hey, what what is your name? She goes, oh, I'm Amy. And she goes, who are you? Like, all kind of, like, disinterested. And he goes, I'm the guy that's here to save you or whatever. And just, like, totally, like, just, like, knows, like, every button to push or whatever uh, to get her, you know, to smile and, you know, just mack on her or whatever, right? Uh, but anyways, you know, long story short, you know, um, you know, he's like, hey, let's just get the hell out of this party. You know, I know this, like, really cool spot. You know, we can get some pizza. We can get some beers or whatever. And, like, actually have, like, a good time or whatever, right? Like, it's like we're not – nothing's going to happen, you know, at this party or whatever. We're not going to become the next fucking – you know, head writer for the New York Times, like, let's just beat it or whatever. So uh, they're walking, you know, get some pizza or whatever. And um, they passed by a bakery, um, he said. And uh, he was like, oh, man, like, I always thought, you know, it looked like it was snowing. And so I was like, oh, man, this would be a really cool place, you know, to take her just to be like, hey, Mm -hmm. check this out. And it was like this cart, you know, this this big old truck that was bringing these bags of uh, sugar, sugar. And uh, the whole, like, uh, back alley was just, like, filled with all this, like, sugar dust or whatever. So it looked like it was, like, Miracle on 34th Street or some shit or whatever. Or, like, you were in your own snow globe or whatever. So it was a very romantic moment or whatever. He brushes the sugar off his lips. and he goes, well, now i got to kiss you because you got sugar all over you or whatever. And it was a very nice romantic moment and whatnot. Uh, but fast forward to uh, two years later, uh, February 24th, uh, 2007. Um you know, he actually proposes to her. Uh, and, you know, they're, like, happily, you know, in love and all this stuff and whatnot. And uh, they end up getting married later on that year, uh, July 5th. You know, he's a very patriotic man. You know, he's like, i got to observe, you know, Independence Day. Keep that holy whatever. But the next day, we shall get married and whatnot. So they get married. Uh, her, you know, parents, they buy him like, a loft in New York City. And, you know, they just describe, they, they just have, like, this, like, picture-perfect life. You know, their first anniversary you know, they go, like, on a treasure hunt. You know, it ends in, like, a library. And they end up banging in this pe- public library and shit. And it's, it's really cool, you know, like, you know, fucking um, Ryan Gosling love story here.
0: Right, yeah. No, he was very charming. Um, you know, this is a time period where they're both of their careers are taking off. And they're both doing financially pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's always easy to, like, steer the ship when, when people are doing well, when you're young, when you're healthy, when you're when everything's fine. Um, but then the big thing that really affects them is um if you guys remember like back in the I think this is the Bush administration, right before Obama was becoming president, there was a big economic crash, right? Correct. The housing bubble burst all of a sudden Enron's going down, everyone's going down and they were affected by this definitely. Mm-hmm Nick loses his job. She still maintains her job and between her job and the money that her parents or that she's getting from the amazing Amy books, she's still able to like keep them both afloat. But it is definitely not an easy existence at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I think this really becomes like, you know, financial shit always kind of creates drama in relationships, but this is definitely that big first test for them. Correct. Cuz they're struggling, they're struggling, they're struggling. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this is also around the same time period that Nick's mom was diagnosed with cancer. Correct. I think it's stage 4 lymphoma if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um which she did not live in New York. His family did not live in New York. Um they're from
3: Missouri, I believe.
0: Yeah, so they're in Missouri. Um so he basically tells her like, "Hey, we need to move like can we move there and that becomes a little point of I guess resentment on her part that's like hey like I've been keeping us afloat and like now you're asking me to like give up my entire life move to Missouri the middle of nowhere yeah and like with money that we don't really have money that you don't really have but I have it and I guess we're gonna go there and like live this new life I guess Mm. while we watch
3: your mom pass away I think it like Really ruffled some feathers um on her side. Yeah. And I think it's no it's important to note too that yeah, like they they kinda were like you you get like the after effect of it or the after story on it where it's just like, well, we thought you know, it's one of those things where, you know, it's just something we gotta work through. Yeah, there's tensions there, but we we can we can talk it out. Everything else is background noise, I believe, is what they said. They that's a little phrase that they would say to each other a lot. Correct. Um, and because of the recession, she ends up losing her job as well. She ends up getting sacked, um, by the paper she was working for. And then also to her parents, which was kind of like keeping both of them afloat during this time, you know, when, you know, they had moved to Missouri and whatnot. And they were actually take financially taking care of, uh, his mom, you know, with her medical bills and whatnot, Obamacare hadn't kicked in and whatnot. So... You know, I believe like Missouri, you know, it was very much like a Bible Belt state. You know, it was just like you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. If you get cancer, like you're paying for that shit yourself. I'm sorry you worked at Denny's for 30 <laughs> years and whatnot. Um, so you know, yeah. So as soon as that happens, like her parents are pretty much keeping them afloat, and the parents' publisher actually drops uh, the parents uh, from you know their publishing company, so mm-hmm. they also lose most of their income. And they actually have to, you know, dip into Amy's trust fund. And I believe it was something like $1.8 million that they had to borrow just to keep themselves afloat, you know, to keep, you know, their house, you know, and everything that they had going on in New York as well. So it was a really rough, fucked up time for everybody that was involved in this family.
0: Yeah, definitely not an easy time. Um, They somehow come up with this idea, though. It's mostly... It's mostly Nick's idea. I think he's always had, he mentions that he's always had this idea of owning a bar themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Now they're in Missouri at this point to make things worse. Nick's mom does pass away. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and to, you know, to isolate Amy more at this point, she's not seen her parents that much. Sorry. I shouldn't brought up the bar just yet, but she's not really seen her parents that much. You know, they're still in New York they're still handling the publishing stuff. They're not, you know, like the books or whatever, or the rights to the books, the rights to the characters. So they can't really move to Missouri to, and do that, all that stuff. Zoom hadn't been invented. No. Um, but while they're there, she's pretty isolated, like doesn't really get along with, with Nick's sister, uh, Margo. Um, does, at this point, there's a little bit of resentment between her and Nick. Doesn't really have any friends in the neighborhood that they live in. Mm-hmm. Um, the economy in their own town had like shut down the large mall that that town had. And so I guess that the town had the, the large mall that was once there had been overrun basically by homeless people at this Correct. point. And so I think that's another element that adds another element of depression, you know, like the, you know, the local mall, the one thing that our town has is like shut down, like overran by homeless people. Now my only friend is your sister who I don't get along with. And, like, I don't get to see my parents now except for, like, holidays. Like, this sucks. Like, it was
3: basically, like, she felt trapped there. In the middle of all this, they do buy that bar. Yeah, I think it was, like, the rest of the money that was in her trust fund just because, like, they needed something, you know, to keep them afloat. And, you know, Nick had that idea. It was just like, well, let's just run a bar. Like, that's, that's recession-proof. Like, there, there's a few things that are recession-proof, you know. It's like if you're a barber you know, because people are always going to need a haircut, you know, unless, yeah. like, you're, you're experimenting on someone's front porch with a bowl and just like, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, he's just like, yo, you know, people are depressed. You know, they're going to want a place to, you know, take out, you know, take out their anger. Yeah, take <laughs> out their anger. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's just like, it, on paper, it looked like a good idea. It was just like, yeah, like, that's a place that, you know, people could still go to. And yeah. you know, they called it the, the bar. bar yeah. You know? yeah.
0: Yeah. The bar. Yeah. Very, very, very uh, meta. Very meta. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, uh, they own that. Nick starts spending more and more time at the bar where he's owner/slash bartender. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also at this point, he, he starts doing writing classes at the local college. Yeah. Um, so at this point, he's spending very little time with Amy. Um, Amy's kind of doing her own thing. He basically, like, she's just like a stay at home mom. Right. Mm-hmm. At this point, she's with no kid with no kid. And they're becoming more and more apart. He's spending more time doing his, uh, you know, creative writing classes at the college and doing part-time bartending. And just like,
3: just basically his own world at this point. And it's, one of those things, too is like where you don't want to play sides like, yeah, like it makes her like it that's a shitty existence on her part. But you gotta think too, like he was probably going through some shit too. Like he just lost his mom horribly, you know, to stage four breast cancer. Like you know he's got to be going through it kind of thing. And he Nick was kind of like a guy. like he wasn't like in touch with like his emotions. It's not like he's gonna, you know, work out all that pain by, you know, sitting uh-huh. down and talking to his wife, you know, over a bottle of wine or whatnot. Uh, he's not that type of dude. He, like he's like your stereotypical like you know frat boy, which is like you know what like I'm just gonna go out and uh, play some basketball or whatever, or go down to the bar and you know kick back a few fucking you know natty lights or whatever. Yeah. But you know he you know like I always mentioned on this podcast, like I had a really shitty you know 2011 where I was dealing with a couple of like close deaths, you know a lot of loss in my life or whatever, and I could just what I did it was like I just kind of went manic depressive where I started working a lot, you know, like I had my regular job, I'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning, go to the gym, and then I took on a second job, you know, working at Target again with you. So like my like day, it started at four o'clock in the morning and it didn't end until like, almost like one o'clock in the morning most days. So like I went through this like manic depressive stage where it's just like, I was looking at Nick, I was like, oh, this, that's what he's doing. Like he doesn't know how to handle like his fucking, the loss of his mother. And then his dad too. It's important to note too. Like he was starting to lose like his marbles as well. Like he they he had to put him in like in a in a old folks home. Yeah, an assisted uh, living facility and whatnot because he was you know losing his his faculties as well. Yeah, that's definitely one thing that I think
0: uh, gets forgotten about. That I also think you know he kind of had because of his like writing. He and he was writing to like dudes to like show them like this is how you should handle every situation. He kind of had this thing in my opinion, where like I think he constantly needed to say the right thing and like in the right situation and like be like the charming guy every time. But it really wasn't who he was. Mm -hmm. It was just like what he thought people wanted out of him. And so I don't think whenever you're just giving people what you think they want to hear, like you're never really solving your issues. And I don't think he ever really solved any of his like mental issues that he was dealing with, with with his dad, with his wife, with – Whatever, like, just so many issues, and and I think he had this mountain of issues in on his mind at this point. And in the middle of all this, Amy throws out the idea of like, why don't we have a baby? Mm-hmm. And I think this is really where like the 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 big climax of like their argument started because she's like, why don't we have a baby? And I I think it's noted that he says to her. Um, like basically having a baby to fix the relationship, and she's like, "Am, am I? Is that correct that he says something to her? To yeah, the, to like the,
3: a, a baby to solve like a failed marriage or whatever. So it's like something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: um, and like it just kind of rubs it the wrong way. It turns into a huge argument, and at this point, like you know, it's going downhill. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's. It's a marriage that's definitely gonna fail here in a little bit.
3: And I saw some stuff like I don't know how true it was or not, but like some something that somebody said too that like you know there's reports that he like he actually pushed her, and that um, she actually told uh, his sister I want to say that you know he wasn't afraid that afraid of him because he pushed her, but she was afraid more because it was like he wanted to do more damage. Like he could like he she saw that like he held back like he like like had this like fist clenched and like he wanted like. Yeah. Give her a nice Irish shiner across the face and whatnot. Uh, But he was like, no, I got to get the fuck out of here. I'm going down to the bar.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously the marriage isn't going well. Um, And then this is where things get a little bit fuzzy. So I don't know if you want to take over from here because I – it's been a while since I've I've done this case. I'm literally just staring at a blank screen at this
3: point. So <laughs> uh well, I mean, you know, Amy though, being the amazing person that she is, I believe it was actually like this that night too, like where um you know, she, you know, wanted to, you know, you know, have that baby. She wanted to float that idea about having the baby. She was like, "You know what? You know, Nick is going through it. You know, his dad's losing his marbles, fucking his mom's gone." you know he you know he's going through it too like he hasn't had a job you know like in a while you know yeah he's teaching his creative you know classes or whatever but he's not happy or whatever like you know I don't want to be like that nagging wife now like let me make it up to him let me go surprise him at work mm-hmm. you know bring him you know some pizza and you know a natty light or something like that right like we'll have like a a nice time you know kind of like our first date or whatever right and so as she's walking up to the bar she sees nick come out but Nick's not with by himself and he's with another woman, and that other woman wasn't his sister Margo, who also worked at the bar with him. Uh, it was uh, one of his uh, his students, I believe her name was Andy. Um, and she was a really attractive girl. Like, I saw like some Google image pictures of her, and like, I think she's like a rom. She was like her her parents were Romanian or some shit or whatever, and like she's like mm-hmm. hot enough to like be a model or some shit. Like, gotcha. She, she's no April O'Neil, but she. No, yeah, there. yeah, no. She's out of Jordan's league. Okay, of, like yeah, she's okay. Yeah. She's a, she's yabba dabba do delicious yeah. or whatever, right? Gotcha. She's like the type of girl like she would like start off in modeling, then like go to Hollywood and like star in like some like you know, some French black and white film about incest. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, no, yeah. She was a total dime piece. Like everything that. That Amy was times you know, a million. But, but a little yeah. bit better or whatever. So it was like it was like this huge slap in the face. And like as uh, they were walking out, uh, she noticed that um that Nick did like that whole rubbing of the lips thing that he like he did to her on their first date. He rubbed her lips, minus the sugar, obviously, and then starts making out with the student and whatnot. So she runs home, obviously heartbroken or whatever, and starts writing in her journal. Yeah, so, I mean, the journal becomes a big, big piece
0: of evidence down the line. Uh, not to spoil the lead, but she basically goes missing on the anniversary of their... Anniversary. <laughs> their <marriage? laughs> of their marriage? Of their marriage. Their their anniversary of their marriage was coming up. mm mm-hmm. um, She basically goes missing at this point. They have a small argument you know at this point they don't see eye to eye he nick basically is like i'm gonna take off i'm gonna go clear my head Mm -hmm. have a drink at the at the bar i think the bar opened up pretty early and
3: just didn't really want to have anything to do with
0: with with amy at at his anniversary
3: yeah and she actually told him too like before like you know we celebrate you know our our anniversary or do whatever we're going to do today I want you to go to your favorite spot, which was like somewhere like by a lake or something. I want to say like that. And just really think about our marriage and whatnot. And, um, you know, Nick, I think he was telling his sister at this point, he was actually, which I think is fucked up. Like, it's kind of like an asshole move of him to do it, especially on this day. Like he was telling his sister, uh, that he was actually going to ask his wife for a divorce Mm -hmm. at this point. And, um, I just thought like I was like God damn like that's fucking cold like you can probably wait like a month or so down the line yeah. or whatever just fucking you know to it but yeah he was like gonna ask his wife for a divorce um on their anniversary or whatever but um I-, I think it's important to note too that you know every year during their anniversary they always played like a um scavenger hunt scavenger game. hunt game and so she had something like that planned for him that day as well
0: yeah so I mean he um he goes to clear his head he's at the at the at the bar um when he receives a phone call from a neighbor basically mm. saying, Hey, it looks like your door is open. Um, and I think they had a, a cat. Uh, so like that he's like basically like, Hey, your cat got out, your door is open. So he's like, Oh shit. Well, let me go close the door and let the cat back in. Mm. Uh, when he arrives, basically the whole house is in disarray. Uh, chairs are flipped over. Um, there's a table that's broken. Looks like a, a... Like a glass table. Glass table's broken. Like, there's different, like, just... Clearly something had happened. Something had gone wrong there. So, he calls the police. Police show up. They do their investigation. They do notice there's a little bit of blood in the kitchen. Little, like, droplets of blood. Um, so, right away, red flag. Something's going on here. This doesn't look like a typical, like... Amy wasn't home and nobody can get a hold
3: of Amy. So nobody knows what's going on at this point. And then too, like they were like walking throughout the house and, um, they actually saw that, the she actually had the iron on and shit, which indicated like she was like in the, in the middle of like, you know, getting ready for, you know, whatever festivities they had for the rest of the day. Cause I believe it was like detective Boney was her name and whatnot. Uh, she, she noticed, she was like, Oh, that's a nice dress. Like, what do you guys got going on today? And he was like, Oh, it's our anniversary today. And like, The way Nick, I guess, said it to the detective, I think it was, like, on, like, this documentary on A&E. The detective was, like, yeah, he just sounded, like, really, like, put off by it. That It was, like, his anniversary day or whatnot. And it was, like, a really nice dress. Uh, But, you know, it it looked like, you know, she was in the middle of ironing the thing because it was, like, half ironed or whatever and half wrinkled. And, like, it was, like, scalding hot, like, when they walked by. And it had already been, like, a couple hours, too, since, you know, the police had showed up. And so, like, the detective was like, huh, that's super suspicious right there.
0: Yeah, definitely suspicious. Uh, definitely one of those things that, like, makes the detectives question Nick's, uh, alibis of where he was that morning. Um, but they pretty much all check out. At this point, she's just a missing person. Mm-hmm. Um, they do, they do more investigation around the house. They did, they do notice that, um, I don't know if this is too soon, but they also look into their finances. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick is unaware of this, but they basically just look into into their finances. He goes in for questioning because obviously you're going to want to question the the husband and find out what's going on there. But it doesn't really lead to anything. His alibi is pretty good. Um, but you could kind of tell that Nick, something something's... Something scary, Nick, and it's
3: not just that his wife is missing. Correct. And I think the police start becoming suspicious of this. Mm-hmm. And then, um, like you were talking about, you know, their finances or whatever, they found that it was, like, something like something ridiculous. It was, like, $117,000 of credit card debt. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, like we mentioned, you know, they were struggling financially. And, you know, they were buying, or Nick was buying in his name, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. It was, like, a 70-inch TV, a robot dog, fucking... Um, what are those things, the, the, the fucking drones? Like he bought some drones and shit, mm-hmm. some golf clubs and all sorts of like just really expensive items, like super like well, Xbox Cube or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. was out during this time or whatever. Uh, just all this stuff. And it, it amounted to $117,000 worth of, de- of debt or whatnot. And the detective, you know, says to her partner, you know, like what's like the main contention, you know, between you and your wife? And it's like, you know, finances. And she goes, yeah, that was the same reason, you know, me and, you know, my ex split Mrs. Boney or whatever, Detective Boney. She said, yeah, that's why we split. It was over finances and whatnot. Uh, so, that you know, they're 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 interrogating Nick and whatnot. And Nick's kind of, like, nonchalant about this, like, very apathetic or whatever. Like, here's your wife. It, it's missing or whatever, right? Like, she is the amazing Amy. You know, I think they say, like, when they're doing their investigation around, like, the house, they're like, oh, I used to read those books, like, when I was younger and whatnot. So, like, it's like a high-profile missing persons case. But he's acting like very nonchalant, very like apathetic and you know, kind of like air drumming like on the table and whatnot, like totally like acting suspicious or whatever, right? And he turns to him like when they bring up like the whole finances thing, and they're like he's like turns to him and he goes like, Man, this is like something out of law and order and he starts going do, 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 do. and then like the detectives, they just kinda like look at each other and it's like, What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, he, he definitely doesn't know how to act in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, you know, the whole town gets involved in trying to find Amazing Amy. Mm-hmm. The, there's like a giant town search. Amazing Amy's parents come down to help with the with the search and rescue, I guess. Mm-hmm. Nick be- kind of becomes a little bit of a celebrity at this point. You know, he's pleading his case. If anybody's seen her, please contact us. Um uh, and because Nick you know you mentioned that he has that like Ryan Reynolds vibe to him, I think a lot of women become like enamored with him in a weird way, yeah, um, so I think he starts drawing attention from from women around around the area, and it's just it's just kind of a weird thing that he's just becoming popular because his wife is missing mm-hmm. um so I think at this point the I believe uh, you mentioned that Nancy Grace had that special on him. Correct. And and it just, if there's a bad look uh, to be had, this is the one where like a girl at that at one of her uh, one of the rescue uh, one of the uh, search party things takes a picture with Nick and they're both smiling. And it looks like they're very flirtatious, mm-hmm. and Nancy Grace runs with this, and this is really the part that blows up the case. That like, now it's being fed on like twenty four hour news cycles. And it makes him look really bad that he has a missing wife, he's one of the suspects, and he has this picture with like this random woman who's just like,
3: like looks like she's all over him. It's like and a it groupie, just, yeah. yeah he's a like, groupie, and it looks really bad. And he's like totally taking part of it. And he had like a series of fucking events like that too. Like there would be like you know, uh, news conferences, press conferences, and whatnot. And like Amy's parents, like they you know they'd be bawling, you know, and telling like her life story and whatnot. And um, you know, if you have any any uh, um, any tips, if you know where she might be, you know, here's our hotline that we set up. Uh, go to a, uh, findamazingamy.com. and like Nick would just get up there and just totally be like, "Yeah, man, if you guys uh, know anything, uh, just get at me." Like, would do like some like weird like you yeah. know bullshit like that, like kind of like it, like that would re- that would raise suspicion, kind of like like I was saying, like like Scott Peterson, where it's just like. Mm. His whole fucking demeanor is kind of weird. Like, your wife is gone, and you are acting very strange right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely acting strange. And setting off some red
0: flags. Obviously, the media at this point was starting to, like, make him suspect number one. Um, Like Jacob said, the finances were very, very, like, not on his favor because there there was a lot of credit card debt that Mm. was pointing in his direction. Um, in the middle of, the, of all this, the detectives do find something in their house, and it's something labeled uh, Clue 1. Mm-hmm. And it had a lot to do with with um, that scavenger hunt game that, that Amy and Nick would play on their wedding, I mean on their wedding, on their anniversary. anniversary. And so, you know, the detectives are kind of intrigued by this, that there's a clue called Clue 1. <laughs> And they start going down this rabbit hole of of finding these
3: clues. Yeah. And I can't remember if you – do you have what clue one says on it? Uh, basically, like, it was, like um, – it, it was leading to, like, his favorite place. Like, it it, was, it kind of seemed like a sexual joke. Like, this place is nice and tight, but it's my it's uh, very cozy for my favorite writer or whatever, right? And so he, he looks at the detective and goes, oh, I know what this is. And they head right to his office at the you know the college and whatnot, uh, where they find clue two uh, with some panties on top of it. Mm-hmm. Now Nick kind of gets a little weird right here because he's just like, "Oh shit!" Like the detective thinks like, "Oh okay," like this, these are Amy's panties. Uh, but what you know the detective and the whole other community doesn't know is these might actually be his mistress's panties, uh, fucking Andy's panties.
0: Yeah, and at this point. You know the news has not broken that he has a mistress, mm-hmm. but um at this point, Margot does find out his sister finds out that sh- that he has a mistress and I think public opinion even in his own family is turning against him because Correct. at
3: this point it's just him and Margot I think too like um because like he was staying at uh, his twin sister's house and like he actually sneaks the mistress into the house and as she's leaving in the morning, like fucking Margot catches him like you know kissing yeah. her goodbye and shit.
0: Yeah, so at this point, like, public opinion is, like, she doesn't trust her own brother. I mean, she does, but doesn't, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's her brother, but, you know, can't really trust what he's saying because he has a mistress and his wife is missing, and things are basically bad at this point. All, all signs point to Nick. Yeah, all signs point to Nick. These clues keep going. Um, The big clue, I think, that, you know, to fast forward it a little bit, uh the, the big clue that takes him to his dad's house is you know they go there and they find a uh a uh, burned copy of Amy's book of Amy's diary. diary and and that's obviously like red flags everywhere mm-hmm. because that's probably the the thing that makes it look like Nick did it a lot more than anything else i mean nick it, everything that we talked about, all the arguments, all the, the violence that Nick had done, you know, pushing Amy and making Amy feel like she's alone and basically just, you know, treating her like shit, that's all documented in that book. Mm-hmm. And so now, it, you know, the detectives have this information and it basically points him as like, you know, enemy
3: number one. And it looked like he was trying to get rid of evidence. Correct. Yeah. Cause it was like charred, like, I believe, like in, um, you know the father's boiler or whatnot, and <clears throat> they actually catch Nick there at the house, and like he kind of like seems suspicious as well. And he because ha- you know Amy, she hides a clue there as well, and he kind of puts like the clue in his back pocket. And as he leaves, you know the detectives go back, and that's when they find the diary. And there's like just weird stuff in the diary, stuff like you know, you know Nick is becoming undone. He's lazy. He's abusive. um I actually, you know, on Valentine's Day of two thousand and twelve. Amy actually buys a gun cause she feels unsafe around Nick. Uh, and I believe like the diary actually documents like one of the last entries before she goes missing is that, <clears throat> you know, she, she fears that, you know, he just may kill her and whatnot. So, you know, the detectives are just like closing in. They, all they got to do is find like a smoking gun or a body or something. So that way they can just arrest Nick. Yeah. And at this point, two things
0: come back from the lab. One they realize that the kitchen basically lights up with blood. Like Mm -hmm. clearly there was blood there and looks like somebody tried to clean it all up. So not looking good there for Nick. Um, the other thing was another lab result that she had sent out comes back and basically says that Amy was pregnant, Mm -hmm. you know, like her DNA came back, your, your piss test came back and it shows that you're pregnant. Yeah. So now, now it seems like more red flags. Like, Nick was trying to get rid of her. He found out she was pregnant, and now he was trying to get rid of her. So, not looking really good at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, following another clue, uh, you know, uh, in this whole clue scavenger hunt, all those things they find them all stashed away. All the you know the robot dog, the big screen TV, they find them all stashed away in in like a shed in in like I believe it's in. Margot's back or his dad's backyard. I can't remember. No, her. I
3: think it's Margot's backyard because because she gets she ends up getting arrested too. Yeah. Um. Spoiler alert. But yeah, is it the the dolls that she finds?
0: Yeah, she finds those that those British dolls or whatever.
3: <laughs> I think it's called uh, Club and Nancy or something like that.
0: Yeah, we'll go with that. That sounds about right. Yeah. Club and Nancy.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh But yeah, I mean, at this point, they very much become like the talking point for Nancy Grace. And it's basically like, it's go time. You guys need to lawyer up. Um, you guys might remember this lawyer from, he also defended, um, um, Scott Peterson. Mm -hmm. So same lawyer that defended Scott Peterson basically comes over here and is defending Nick. What was that guy's name? That lawyer? Uh,
3: it's Tanner bolt. Tanner bolt. So yeah, I think, and then also too, like, um, um, Who's the the actress that, you know, went missing off the boat?
0: Oh, um, I can't remember her name. <sighs> Fuck yeah, but like... Yeah. Emily something.
3: Yeah, something like that. But like, he, basically like this, this uh, whole lawyers, like the way he got famous was like getting like wife beaters and wife killers off, you know, from, you know, what they did. I think like O.J. Simpson like originally had like tried to like obtain his services or whatever, but like he was already wrapped up. I think like... He was like on Michael Jackson's team for like one of the you know sexual abuse cases or whatever so like he was already wrapped up but like he was like he was like a like a step below Johnny Cochran Where it's just like if you need like a badass like defense attorney like this was your guy yeah and like he would like he was like on I think it was like Fox News like and him and Nancy Grace were like going back and forth or whatever like and would you would you um would you uh <laughs> That would be way better if they were just like, would
0: you, would you, would you,
2: would you, would you, would you, would you, would you, wake up and do? What? <laughs> Dude, that's, a, that's the kind of TV I do. I wish
0: existed. <laughs> it's just two people yelling at a other. Okay, like, I just want Tucker Carlson to be like, <laughs> <laughs> That for thirty minutes, however long his show is, he's just like making little noises, <laughs> but he's still wearing Scat a stupid noises, little like bow tie. bow tie, looking like an incel watching. What's that show that it, the pickup artist? <laughs> he's the kind of dude that Frasier? like, yeah, he's like watches Fraser pickup Artist <laughs> Don't tell me he doesn't look like the kind of guys. Like my show comes on right after pickup Artist so <laughs> as soon as
3: that ends, to flip over to turn to call Tucker to Carlson tonight or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, but Nancy Grace and Tanner, they were going back and forth, and she was like, "Would <laughs> would you defend Nick Noon?" And uh, Ta- or uh, fucking uh, Tanner was just like, "Yeah, dude, of course I would because you're in this country, you're assumed innocent until <laughs> <to> proven guilty." <laughs> and so Nancy Grace is like, "Would you? <laughs> would you?"
1: Would, would you, you
3: do, what would what would what would you do <laughs> <laughs> okay would you would you defend fuck and it, it goes back to like that fucking uh question like back like in the early 2000s where, yeah. like, where people were asking like would you like defense attorneys would you <laughs> defend osama bin laden you know uh, it's yeah. like it was like one of those situations or whatever right but like yeah he was like yeah totally if nick came out to me you know, got in touch with me, yeah, I'd pick him up in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. there's probably his side of the story that still needs to be told. Even w- would
0: you defend Osama bin Laden?
3: Would I? Yeah. Hell
0: no. No? You would just be like, dude, oh, fuck, no, I don't believe in fucking our our government. Because, like, you know, everybody deserves a fair trial. Probably not fair, but I'm the one defending them, though. <laughs> okay, like, then our- I, I do not have a lot to agree about. Let's do this, Osama. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Osama. So, what's your you favorite might- movie? <laughs> Scream, that's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Scream One, all right, let's do this. You know who's in that? Yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, I think Jennifer Love Hewitt's is not in that. I oh, that, no, she's let's not-, like, not. Let's like nip, nip something. Oh, Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell. Yeah, it's so what did you do last summer? What did I you know do last summer? Yeah, it's like. Oh, dude. That movie took place on the 4th of July. You're off, dude. They're, they won't convict a man who likes 4th of July movies. Mm. might as well say your favorite actor is Will Smith and your favorite movie is <laughs> Independence, <laughs> Day. Independence Day.
3: Will Smith ain't never done anything wrong to nobody. All right, let's get you off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyways, uh, you know, he throws it out there in the universe that, yes, no. he would hire Nick Dunn. And it is important to note that, like, Nick is openly talking to the police. Like, he's, like, saying, I have nothing to hide. You know, yeah, I know this all looks bad and whatnot, but, like, I'm just kind of a goofus or whatever, right? Like, this is just convenience and whatnot. Like, I'm not getting a lawyer. Like, all I want to do is cooperate and find my wife. I legitimately want to find my wife. That is the narrative that he rides, you know, t- uh, tooth and nail or whatever. But, uh, like we alluded to earlier, uh, the police actually find... Um, oh, shit, I had it written down. I forgot what they were called or whatever. But, like, you see it, like, you know, like in Game of Thrones and, like, all those, like, fucking old-timey, like, medieval fucking, you know, puppet shows or whatever. But, like, it's, like, the two puppets that have, like, the baseball bats or whatever. Right, right, right. But I guess the story is is that, you know, uh, the daddy puppet beats the mommy puppet who's pregnant with, you know, the baby or whatnot. And so there's – they find that as one of the presents. Now, the detectives are assuming that, you know, hey, this is a present that, you know, Nick – you know, salaciously was going to give to fucking, you know, Amy, you know, as she conveniently got went missing. Uh, But one of the clubs was missing from one of the puppets. Now, you know, fast forward, you know, uh, the story a little bit. Uh, The assistant detective actually finds that club in the fireplace, and it actually still has, like, DNA on that. So when they test it for the DNA, it actually comes up positive for both Nick and Amy's blood type on there.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's pretty intense. I was surprised that those clubs were as big as they were. Mm -hmm. I was like, who the fuck makes these giant-ass fucking... Sock puppet looking things. <laughs> Those things are creepy as hell,
3: dude. Yeah, in Missouri too. Yeah, in Missouri. I'm like, assuming she they went on eBay and bought them. She or some
0: shit. no, she went to Mexico. There's no way they made that. <laughs> There's no way eBay had
3: that shit. She chloroformed like some yeah. Mexican that was she actually wrote, using them for like his puppet show, like yeah, on the like, corner and
0: shit. He was making like legit little puppet shows. Like you got to make me these creepy looking British <laughs> things. Yeah, dude, don't trust white women.
3: <laughs> Moral of uh, the story: Don't trust white women. Yeah, so all of that, like, once that pops up or whatever, uh, they, the detectives, they present that to Nick. And all of a sudden, he, you know, he gets pissed off. He was just like, dude, I've been telling you guys from day one, like, I have nothing to do with my wife's disappearance or whatever. And now you want to pin murder on me and shit? And so um, he's, you know, he's like, you know what, I don't want to talk to you guys anymore unless I have a lawyer. And so fast forward, uh, he, you know, flies out to New York and, you know, finds Tanner. And he was like, hey, dude, like, here's the story. You know, I have a couple of theories. Um, you know, my 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 parents, uh, my mother and father-in-law, they were saying that, you know, previous to me, uh, Amy had two, you know, boyfriends uh, that she had to get restraining orders on. You know, one of them, you know, she accused of rape and whatnot. And the other, you know, we had to get a, a restraining order because, you know, he kept following her around everywhere and making, you know, weird threats to her and whatnot. And so, um, he goes, we might want to follow those leads. Like Art mentioned earlier, you know, he said that like, Hey, we, we had this mall in town that, you know, went, you know, went under and now basically it's just this giant homeless encampment, you know, like where they're, you know, you know, slanging fucking, you know, crack cocaine all day. And it's just like, it looks like the walking dead out there. Like it could be that or I have another, you know, idea, you know, which we'll save to the end of the story of what it could be. Uh, but I'm just telling you right now, like whatever the situation is, it's not me. And so yeah. Tanner just tells him he's like, "Yo, don't worry about it. You know, this is why I have a $100,000 retainer. I'm the best at what I do." And he goes, "What were those two boyfriends' names?" And he puts it in his like BlackBerry or whatever, and he pulls up both of them right there and he goes, "Hey, I have their addresses already." And he goes, and he goes, "I don't have $100,000 yet though." And He goes, "For you, Nick, since this is a high high profile case, We'll figure something out. Yeah. And one of the things that
0: does come up is uh, when they were doing those, those searches back in Missouri, one of those ex-boyfriends had showed up and the Mm -hmm. police had, had noticed that he was, he showed up to one of the, uh, the search party things. Mm -hmm. So he was in Missouri. He does get questioned. Like, why were you there? Like, why were you in Missouri? Why were you looking for, for Amy? Even though at one point she had a restraining order and accused you of rape. Yeah. Um, So he was just basically like, I, you know, I felt bad. I felt bad that Amy was missing, and but it turns out, um, you know, he was there. So you
3: know, one of Nick's stories or one of Nick's theories definitely had legs at this point. Yeah. And so what Tanner had the idea of he's just like, dude, Nick, like you look really bad, like in public opinion. You got Nancy Grace on Fox News saying, Do
2: what
3: you do it does that for like thirty minutes straight, dude? Yeah, we got. First of all, we got to find Nancy Grace <laughs> some help because she might be
0: struggling suffering from high blood pressure. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure she's having a stroke on live <laughs> TV, dude. Yeah, so, first of all, we got to see Kirk, uh, <laughs> Kirk Meadows fish. <bitch. laughs> I'm having a Kirk, stroke. What's that guy from uh from uh, MTV News, Kirk, Kurt Loader?
3: Kurt Loader, dude. Yeah, rest in peace to Kurt Loader, dude. Dude, he's still alive. Are you sure? Dude, he's like a huge fucking Trump supporter. Now. Is he? Oh yeah.
0: my God, I'm going to Google it because I thought he died. I thought he died on the cross.
3: No. Who but am I thinking of then? <laughs> <laughs> Osama bin Laden. Uh, but no, he's like, dude, we got to rehab your image. I'm going to get you on Diane Sawyer. And, you know, I'm going to tell you everything that you need to say. Uh, basically, you just need to be yourself. You know, quit trying to be this guy that's trying to tell everybody the things they want to hear. Just be yourself. And he goes, you know what? And I need you to actually admit that you're actually having an affair on your wife uh, because I guarantee you that Andy's going to spill the beans at one point and it's not going to be good for you. We're going to be digging ourselves out of a hole if we don't get ahead of this case beforehand.
0: Dude, Kurt Loder was born on Cinco de Mayo, a day after my birthday. dude. Yeah? It's, cr- it's hard to believe that he's only a day older than me. That is wild, dude. He looks worse than Joe Biden. Look at him, dude. He's like,
2: yeah, i never knew I still got it. I'm at the premiere of *Bohemian Rhapsody*.
0: <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Um, he still got it though. But um, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> they were gonna get him on Diane Sawyer. Oh yeah, so he's gonna go on Diane Sawyer, right? Yeah. And and. I think some of his family members, especially Margo, at this point, his dad is so out of it, doesn't really know what's going on. But Margo's very much against the idea of him going on Diane Sawyer. Mm. Uh, It's basically, you know, like feeding him to the wolves at this point. And she even says like, you know, you're basically setting him up to fail. And it's like, no, I'm training him how to, how to do this. It's like, you know, she's like, you're training him how to be a trained monkey at this point. He's Mm. basically just answering the questions the way you want him to answer. It's like, and and then one of the things that about Tanner Bolt is like you know he's such a good lawyer for a reason. I remember in the in the uh, in the documentary he says like he's like I'm not training him to be a trained monkey. There's a trained monkey that avoids lethal injection. Yeah, and it's just like damn dude, like that's fucking like he's right. Like he's he does like none of his cases like nobody's ever been convicted when Tanner Bolt is involved. So yeah, pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, and so um you know they get the the interview set up and fucking as fucking Tanner just fucking like nails it or whatever fucking Andy actually gets ahead of it and it comes on fucking um Fox News and is talking about how like Nick, you know, had like the secret affair with her and that he was going to get a divorce from his wife yeah. and that he hated Amy and all this stuff, all this salacious stuff that just made fucking Nick look bad. And it like it's like looking like the worst possible outcome ever. You can have the best lawyer in the world, but it looks like Nick Dunn is going down for the disappearance of amazing Amy.
0: Yeah, it's not looking good for him. Um that's pretty much where things kind of start taking another turn.
3: Yeah, so he actually gets on Diane Sawyer cuz yeah. I think it's like a couple weeks before he actually gets on it or whatever and you know, you know, Tanner Bolt like he's training him to do what he needs to do or whatever. Uh, and Nick has like the the great idea of like, hey, you know, I'm going to wear like a tie that actually Amy bought me and a watch that Amy bought me that she knows I fucking hate. And if she's out there still, you know, if she's still alive, she's going to see that. And hopefully, you know, it'll send a message to her to come home and whatnot. Um, so, you know, he gets on there, and he absolutely crushes it. Like, nobody's got faith in him. His sister doesn't have faith in him. Tanner doesn't have any faith in him. The whole world doesn't have faith in him. But he gets on there, and he absolutely crushes it and totally changes his opinion, everybody's opinion about him at this point. hmm And then the unthinkable happens. Yes. This is where this case takes an unbelievable turn. A very bloodied and
0: beat-up uh, Amy comes back out of nowhere, <laughs> literally in, out of left field. Out of left field, basically drives wrecking, wrecking ball through the neighborhood, and then back into Nick's arms, basically, and like literally covered in blood, covered in dirt, just shows up and like is back, mm-hmm. and everyone is basically stunned. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. What in the world just happened? Um, and really, you know, we would find out that things were really bad for, for Amy. Um, but yeah, the world is shocked at this point. I think most people, this is when Fox News was like running this story 24 hours a
3: day. Oh yeah. That's how they were getting all their ratings. They were just basically like crucifying Nick done to the fucking cross or whatever. It wasn't until Diane Sawyer, I believe this is like when Diane Sawyer, I think she was with. Twenty twenty or whatever, so it was like very much like oh you guys are taking our ratings or whatever. So it was a big blow to Fox News because it's like oh shit, like they they had all their chips in that like fucking Nick Dunn like murdered and kidnapped his wife or whatever, dumped her in the ocean and shit. Yeah. And so when she comes back, it was totally like oh like an oh shit moment like oh fuck and like she actually comes like you said like falls into Nick's arms and whatnot, and so they're actually interviewing uh, Amy in the hospital and apparently per her story what she said, uh, you mentioned it earlier uh, the ex boyfriend that showed up you know during one of those searches uh, his name was actually Desi Collins uh, he actually ends up becoming like a really wealthy. Uh, you know, stockbroker and whatnot. Like, he actually starts even killing it even more so, even after, like, the financial collapse of 2008. Like, he capitalizing after all these banks going under and whatnot or whatever. I think, like, he invested in Ford because they were the only one that didn't take any bailout money and whatnot. Uh, but, yeah, like, she basically says that, you know, he had been writing her for years, which was true because during the investigation, like, there was, you know, correspondence between Desi and Amy and whatnot, and uh, Amy would always just tell Nick, like, you know, what? I'm just being nice to him because if I don't, you know, respond to his letters like he gets crazy, you know, he might show up here and do something, you know, unthinkable and whatnot. So Nick was just like, you know, whatever, you know, like I already got this, you know, dying peace student on the side or whatever. Like I'm not tripping too much or whatever. Uh, but actually, she, according to her, Desi shows up on the anniversary of Nick and her's anniversary and, um, you know, kidnaps her basically. And, you know, you know, they put up a fight. Uh, he sees the the present, which was actually supposed to be a present to Nick. You know those two, you know puppets and whatnot. Uh, gets enraged by this. Uh, because they're very nice. They they they're straight from the motherland of Mexico. Yeah, goes, yeah. You you drove all the way down to Mexico
2: to give this fucking Ryan Reynolds looking motherfucker. You gave this job to a Mexican. <laughs> there's why there's why there's Anglo Saxons that would do this job better than than those goddamn b- brain, b- re-fried Wep- brainers. <laughs> refried <laughs> Wep- brainers. <laughs>
0: refried wetbacks. Wep- Apparently, like I told, I said that on a on one of the podcasts where I say "webex" and it made Ross laugh a lot. And I was like, "Thanks, dude.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Racism is funny, baby." Uh, But anyways, yeah, she he gets enraged. He beats the shit out of her. He drags her out of the house, and he had like this uh, this lake house that she he kept her captive at. You know where you know he starved her. Uh, he would go off to you know his job, you know in the city and whatnot, and kill it in the stocks and whatnot, and then come back and you know rape her all night, and then leave you know for a couple of days with no food or anything like that. Very horrible existence, and you know till finally he told her it's like Yo, you know what I'm gonna kill you, you know at your weakest point I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna basically you know bust a nut in you, and then like right when you're about to nut, I'm gonna about to slit your throat. And Amy, and Amy says that you know to the you know the investigators while they're in the um the hospital. That you know, she knew at this moment she had to use all of her strength, you know, to take out that you know the box cutter out of his hand, and that's why she was covered in blood because as right as you know he was getting ready you know to rape her, you know one final time before he slit her throat, he ended up slitting her throat or his throat, you know takes his car keys and drives all the way back. It was like a seven hour trip, you know, all the way back, you know, to uh, the place in Missouri that her and Nick lived.
0: Yeah, it, it was pretty wild. It was one of those things that definitely captures you know 2008 or whatever is one of the big epic scenes of them getting back together and it was documented live on fox news because they still had 24-hour coverage outside of nick's house yeah a helicopter and shit yeah so it was it was pretty wild and then you know they clean up kind of clears nick's name turns out they don't need tanner bolt after that but um They do one final interview of them together, you know, basically saying that this experience really made them a lot stronger and a better couple. And it was, it was one of those things that if you, if you Google that interview on YouTube, it it's like one of those things that you can really tell that they went through hell and they kind of like became better people for it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, nobody deserves to go through what Amy went through and like, um, you know Amy is kind of an American hero now because she survived a lot dude like mm-hmm. she really did and she is kind of the poster child to you know what a lot of like women I think strive to be but she's definitely like a very strong and genuine person
3: Yeah, truly amazing Amy at this point yeah, like, she had I finally mean, like got out of amazing Amy shallow the you know the the book version of amazing Amy to mm-hmm. where now amazing Amy the book version has to live up to the the real life version. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Amy. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a really incredible, incredible thing that she was able to survive and fight through. And like, she's a survivor. I think my fairy murder also covered this one and it was fucking wild when they covered it. Cause they had, um, Amy actually came on and, and did one, did, did this, told the story herself, which was very brave of her to also do that. Yeah. To tell the story of, of her captor.
3: It was, like, my favorite murder, like, one-upping us from, like, when Jesus survived, like, the Las Vegas yeah. shooting. Like, you know, they uh, one-upped us by having yeah. the amazing Amy on their show and shit. We
0: had to redo that episode, but cut out all, like, the lame bullshit where it's like, oh,
2: and then we were listening to, like, Keith Urban. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> we were all, like, fucking drunk listening to Keith Urban and, like, fucking all of a sudden kid rock came out and it's like it was
0: i'm like they're looking at my phone like what damn what where are people gonna get shot dude like <laughs> you know trying to hear this, like Keith Urban bullshit
2: like <laughs> and then i realized i ain't no sheep dog <laughs> i ain't no goddamn sheep dog jacob <laughs>
0: sorry i didn't mean to kick you but uh anyways but yeah you got any more
3: on the story I mean, it's pretty wild yeah, there's this is there's definitely some, a wild one. There's actually a conspiracy out there though. Um it it is important, you know, it's kind of like falls down the line like mm-hmm. the whole Sandy Hook, you know, it was fake kind of thing yeah. or whatever. But uh, Alex Jones is actually the, the way I got into it is like when we were doing the Alex Jones episode is uh, you know, I was looking at some Alex Jones shit or whatever. And he actually like he was talking about fucking um you know, Sandy Hook. Uh, but right before he was talking about Sandy Hook, he was talking about this case and he was saying he goes, oh, you know actually ladies and gentlemen, Uh, the real story of what happened uh, to Amazing Amy is uh, it was a slow frame job of Nick. Uh, You know, uh, you know, she did catch him cheating and whatnot, uh, but everything that she wrote in the journal, like all this stuff was just, uh, you know, just a way to frame Nick for murder, basically uh, for cheating on her. You know, and the big Hmm. plan was that, you know, she was going to, you know, uh, dye her hair. She was going to move out to the, the Ozarks and whatnot. She took all this money. She actually had like a, she actually got Nick drunk uh, and had him bump up the life insurance policy to $2 million, uh, you know, just to forge it up in there. To even make it look even worse for him, uh, you know, once, you know, she disappeared. And she she actually had, like, this elaborate plan, according to Alex Jones, that she was co- going to commit suicide all to fucking get Nick, you know, because Missouri had the death penalty. You know, die for the sin of cheating on Amazing Amy.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I had heard that. Like, I had heard some weird shit, like... Apparently, some of the bruising when she came back didn't really make sense because she said that um, he would he would like punch her and rape her and all this stuff. But then some of the bruising didn't really make sense because she had like bruising around her eye that looked more consistent to like a hammer mm-hmm. than a like a fist. And people and they questioned her about her like, how did you get these bruises? They look too perfect, too round, and like the damage around your like like the 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 around the um, where the like the the eye socket or whatever it was it was. The toot. orbital bone, the orbital bone, <laughs> was uh, starting to crack in a very circular kind of way, and it was like it didn't make sense. It looked more like a hammer than than a fist. Uh, so, which she didn't really have answers to. Mm-hmm. I, I had heard some things like that, but it, I don't know if I'd buy into the conspiracy theory. I think it's just like fucked up America, like yeah, you know, victim blaming and all this bullshit. Like
3: yeah, that bullshit. Yeah, fucking
0: <laughs> always trying to hold down the white woman. <laughs> so, <laughs>
3: Uh, but there's one more twist to this case that I think is very important uh, that we put out there. I we mentioned you know the whole yeah. thing like you were going down the road. We were going down the road. They're like, oh shit! Here's another story of fucking you know another Scott Peterson, you know, killing their pregnant wife and and whatnot. Um, and then you know she actually comes back. That's the twist. But there's one more final twist um, that I think is very important that uh, that we talk about and very timely for um, yeah. you know what. You know, as we're recording this, it's March 31st, 2022, the year of our Lord. Tomorrow is April 1st, 2022, and just like the <laughs> Scranton Strangler and the SCP Foundation, ladies and gentlemen, happy April Fools. April Fools, y'all. This is a totally made-up story. <laughs> well, it's not made up. I mean... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, based on uh, true uh, events, yeah, I yeah. guess, yeah. I think Scott... It, it basically is a Scott Lacey Peterson story yeah. or whatever, but... um. No, this this is what the 2014 fucking movie. I think so. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I fucking love this movie. Gone Girl, and I got the fucking Criterion collection with an actual A- amazing Amy book inside here. Yeah, so yeah, shit's yeah. legit, man. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. No, I I I think it's, dude. When this movie came out, I watched it. I'm not even kidding you, dude. I watched it like. Five times in theaters. Wow. I I don't even like going to the movies. Like every time a Marvel movie comes out and all that shit, I never I just watched it like once, maybe twice at most. Dude, I wanted to go see this movie like so many times. I started watching in the dollar theater. Wow, like <laughs> it was that good. The sad part about it was like so I used to date this girl and I always thought like it reminded me too much of her, like of, yeah. of the Amy character, and it reminded me so much of her. Like she had she wanted to have like this very like perfect per- perfect instagram life and it, and i always thought like man this girl's like psychotic like there's something psychotic there's something off about her like and like when i saw that movie it like terrified me i was like dude i see a lot of like the nick dunn character in myself mm-hmm. where i'm like not that i'm like this like total like eh whatever kind of guy but then i kind of am in comparison to that character and then it dude that movie like Scared the shit out of me and like in a way that I've never felt fear before. Like where yeah. I was like, dude, this is like watching like a fucking like drum dramatic dramatic. Jonathan Davis came out on you or what? Go. But yeah, no, it just it felt weird and it scared the shit out of me, dude. I I watched it so many times. I own that version of it. I've seen it at least once a year since because I. I mean, I love David Fincher. David is my favorite director, so I still watch. I mean, I watch The Social Network and uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and all basically like his whole movies. The, actually, the only movie I've never seen of his is Benjamin Button. I've never seen what? Benjamin Button. Yeah. Oh, wow. I've never seen Benjamin Button, but I've seen all his other movies. And, and it's not even that I'm against Benjamin Button. For some reason, it just never happened. Yeah, you
3: should probably go home and watch that. Yeah, I'll watch it. So it's good?
0: You're saying it's good? I liked
3: it, I mean, when when I watched it, I was watching it with my amazing Amy, uh, quote unquote, because when this movie came out, I was also dating a girl that was just like her. So the story that we just told is a little bit different. Uh, she does set up um, Nick Dunn. At Don't the end spoil anything for anyone that's never seen. Motherfucker's been out since 2004. Just go watch it.
0: But still, it's a great movie. It's still like oh Jenny man. dies at the end of Forrest Gump. Jon yeah. Snow comes back to life. I'm going to spoil everything yeah. for you guys right dude, now. Jenny got AIDS, dude. <laughs> Did you ever watch uh, Spiral? Spiral, Spiral. The, the, the Saw movie.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Chris the, Rock?
0: Yeah, the first 30 minutes are... That's why he got slapped by Will Smith. Yeah, first 30 minutes are really good. But the rest...
3: The rest of it's not that good. Not so much. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, it's a it's a really good movie. It's, it's terrifying because it does do that thing where it tricks you. That's why I suggested it as like an April Fool's episode because it does trick you where you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, Ben Affleck, he plays Nick Dunn. He plays like this character to a T because it pretty much is Ben Affleck. And you're like, oh shit! Like this is gonna be the story of how Ben Affleck kills his girlfriend, and then right in the middle of the movie, Rosamund Pike, who plays Amazing Amy, or whatever, fucking love her as an actress. She's every movie she's in, she fucking kills it or whatever. Like she has like this like genius fucking plot of how like she's gonna frame her husband for her disappearance that she actually plotted it on herself and whatnot, and. Like her whole her story, like once it gets to her part of it and whatnot, like that's just as captivating as like the the build up plot to the disappearance yeah. or whatever. Like, cause she gets
0: fun, fun fun story about that. Like, she was a rising star up until this movie came out, and then this movie she, she kind of like stopped acting for a while after this mm-hmm. movie up until she did that Netflix movie. Oh, I Care a Lot or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but between between Gone Girl and I Care a Lot, there's really nothing there as far as like her film. Because she kind of got like typecasted as like that crazy girl, so like she never really did anything, you know, from like 2013, whenever this movie was in production, to about 2021. Wow! So it's it was pretty wild that there's like this big giant gap in her acting career just because of this movie. Because like there, she just she there was no other real role for her that like really fit who she was, Mm -hmm. which she's a great actress. But like, yeah, it, that was a tough role to like, and she killed that role, dude. Like, I can't imagine
3: anyone else playing that role. Who won the Academy Award that year? Because like, because I, don't know. She, cause I, I don't can't admit, because I can't imagine anybody fucking you know killing it better than her. Like, amazing
0: movie, amazing soundtrack. I own that on vinyl. That's the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross soundtrack. Yeah,
3: um, and, that and to me, to me, that like adds to the movie or whatever because there's like these like. These like subtle like soothing tones, but it's so like unnerving and whatnot. Yeah. Because dude, I used to listen
0: to that soundtrack like almost every night
3: before bed
0: because it was just, <laughs> it was just like so. You're right, it's so unnerving. Like it's so like soothing, but everything just feels slightly off. Like everything's just not right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just. It, but it, at the same time, it's so calming. One time, I woke up so that that um that scene where she kills a dude that's raping her. Yeah. It has like this heavy drone, like. I woke up and that was playing, and I was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck's happening?"
3: <laughs> way to wake up. Yeah,
0: I can't remember what that name of that song was, but like, dude, I was like, "What the fuck?" And I had it like on full blast, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I had to like take my headphones off. I was like, "What the hell's going on?"
3: <laughs> Anyways, that's hell of a it. way to wake up, man.
0: Good episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, Seuss, thank you for uh, that episode about the Columbine shooting or whatever you survived. <laughs>
3: Just kidding. Yeah. Hey. We're glad you're still here. So Glad you're alive. Yeah. So with that said, um, Art, do you got anything else you want to add? Tell your mommy a boo-boo too. Shout out to Mr. Jack, shout out to
0: Elizabeth Warren. Uh, shout out uh, April O'Neil. Um,
3: <laughs> Sorry, you're not good enough for Jordan.
0: Work on it, girl. But um, that's
3: it. Yeah, so with that said, everybody, um, once you listen to this episode and you get to the end, please don't spoil it for your fellow listeners out there, the millions and millions out there. Uh, but if you do want to have a discussion about Gone Girl, how much you love it, how much you hate it, because that happens a lot sometimes. We throw some stuff out there, like when we get artsy-fartsy and whatnot, and sometimes you guys really love it, and sometimes you really hate it, like Jordan, who hates April Neil um, What a fool. Yeah. You fool. Yeah, you virgin. Dude, you fucking asexual. <laughs>
2: Dude, you you get out of here, you goddamn asexual.
3: (laughs) Uh, So if you want to have a discussion there, head on over to the Facebook group. Uh, Hit us up on all the social medias, at Art and Jacob Do America, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Uh, I could change it, but I'm not going to because it's so fun to piss off Jesus, who calls us out every week on his podcast. Dude, I got to listen to their (laughs) podcast. What are they they talking about over there? Uh, It'll be like- uh, Fucking- it's Scott Lacey Peterson, oh, but we're going
2: to talk about Bellator 55 and then how Jacob- Drake fucking Conor McGregor, dude. Who's a better striker, dude? Conor McGregor, fucking so, Osama Bin Laden when he <laughs> took down the towers. Would you? <laughs> would, would dude, you? dude, dude, i like to see fucking... <laughs> I'd like to see Barack Obama take on a fist fight with fucking Saddam, dude. <laughs> Who's your Who's your wet dream boxing match, dude? Mine's Saddam and Obama, dude. <laughs> saddam is what Did I s- call that match. <laughs> saddam, <laughs> the Battle of the hussein's Yeah, they got to they got a fight on a on a fifty foot tower, dude. Loser falls off the tower and dies. <laughs> it's like dude. the pit
3: from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, dude,
2: it's wild. <laughs> anyway, Scott and Lacey Peterson. W- w- winner has to fight fucking
3: Khabib. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, hit us up on all the social medias. If you want to get some of these inside jokes that we talk about every single week, uh, I highly recommend you guys head on over to patreon.com slash america, where every single week we put out a bonus episode for your listening pleasure. I believe this week uh, we did cover briefly you know, the whole Chris Rock and Will Smith fiasco and whatnot. But for the most part, we, we have like a really fun Patreon where we talk about the joys of uh, cooking. Yes, there you go—the the simple pleasures um, in life. But um, no, we don't talk about that. But we do uh, have a really fun Patreon over there, and nine times out of ten, those episodes are better than the actual episodes you're hearing today for free. So head on over there, um, donate one dollar, donate sixteen dollars, donate thousand dollars if you want to. I don't know, fuck it. If you're balling like that and you love it that much, do what you got to do. Uh, it goes back into the show, it helps make this podcast just a little bit better. Actually, gotta hit. I guess gotta talk to you after we get done recording because that 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 account's starting to grow dramatically, and we need to invest maybe in some better mics. But anyways, go there if you want to support us in any other way, guys. I highly recommend heading on over to the website at artjacobduamerica.com. Follow the merch links where Art has supplied links to our official T Public store, where we have four different designs. And that place is not so much to help us financially because we get like 16 cents, 17 cents for every time you guys buy a T-shirt or a mask or a sweatshirt or some shit. Uh, But it helps promote this podcast. Uh, It makes you guys a walking billboard, if you will. Um, Art mentioned it last week. What really helps us as well is if you share, you know, whenever you make posts, like when I, you know, post the episodes every single week, share those on your social medias. Because, you know, the algorithms, we're getting shadow banned and shit by YouTube and whatnot. I got a couple comments from our YouTube channel for some people saying they are like damn, I'm surprised you got, got, don't got more views, but I think it's like the topics that we choose. The algorithm doesn't like us and whatnot. They think that we're far right leaning motherfuckers. (laughs) We get buried in shit. So uh, share those episodes. So that way it gives us some, some good exposure and promotion i'm having a fucking stroke just like nancy grace right now yeah dude Um, what's going on here
0: what's (laughs) going on here dude dude not to steal the microphone but i just want to give a shout out to fucking uh el pollo loco for making uh what are those tacos you dip birria tacos tacos. like they're getting in on the birria tacos now like i haven't tried them but i'm not a birria taco fan uh but shout out to them like it has officially jumped the shark once fucking Del Taco does them, dude, or Taco Bell's going to do their version <laughs> of it, it's like, dude, it's done. Yeah. It'll it'll come back around, actually. But but El Pollo Loco has jumped the shark. Once uh, fucking Taco Bell does it, it's like back to being cool. Yeah.
3: So uh, shout out to <laughs> El Pollo Loco on that. <laughs> uh, and shout out, if you want to hear some other great podcasts, guys, head on over to podbelly.com. Uh, we are official members of the Podbelly Network. Uh, go ahead and check out the Selfie King podcast. I don't believe they've covered uh, this topic yet. No. Uh, but when they do... Dude, have
0: they covered Will Smith?
3: That's probably next It seems week. like something they would cover. Yeah. They'll probably do it next week. Uh, but check them out. Check out my homeboy, Eddie, over at the RRBG podcast, as well as his spinoff podcast, the Comedy Store Wrestling Podcast, where you know he has uh, John Morrison on this week. Uh, but he's doing big things in the basement of the Comedy Store. Shout out to him. Hopefully we can head on over there and help you once you get Stone Cold Steve Austin on. But uh, with that said, Art, do you have anything else, babe? No. Please, uh, stay out of my. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't
0: know. I was just I, I, I was trying to think of something. I was gonna say please don't drink and drive, but then as I was thinking, I was like, no, let's do something funny. And then I was like gonna say like please stay out of my bushes, but then I was like, I was trying to make it funnier, but then I like. You know, analysis paralysis by analysis happens. Yeah, Yeah, can't can't win them all. Yeah, sorry guys, it's it's fucking late. It's late at night. It's late, dude. This is a late episode for me. I'm usually in bed by like nine thirty, so I have like an hour before I'm like in my PJs.
3: Yeah, me too. So with that said, everybody, goodbye, good night, and happy April Fool's Day, baby.
1: Good night. Nick and Amy will be gone, but then we never really existed. Nick loved a girl I was pretending to be. Cool girl. Men always use that, don't they, as their defining compliment. She's a cool girl. Cool girl is hot. Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. Cool girl never gets angry at her man. She only smiles in a chagrin loving manner and then presents her mouth for fucking. She likes what he likes. So evidently, he's a vinyl hipster who loves fetish manga. If he likes Girls Gone Wild, she's a mall babe who talks football and endures buffalo wings at Hooters. When I met Nick Dunn, I knew he wanted Cool Girl. And for him, I'll admit, I was willing to try. I wax stripped my pussy raw. I drank canned beer watching Adam Sandler movies. I ate cold pizza and remained a size two. I blew him. Semi-regularly. I lived in the moment. I was fucking game. I can't say I didn't enjoy some of it. Nick teased out in me things I didn't know existed. A lightness, a humor, an ease. But I made him smarter, sharper. I inspired him to rise to my level. I forged the man of my dreams. We were happy pretending to be other people. We were the happiest couple we knew. And what's the point of being together if you're not the happiest? But Nick got lazy. He became someone I did not agree to marry. He actually expected me to love him unconditionally. Then he dragged me penniless to the navel of this great country and found himself a newer, younger, bouncier cool girl. You think I'd let him destroy me and end up happier than ever? No fucking way. He doesn't get to win. My cute, charming, salt-of-the-earth Missouri guy. He needed to learn. Grown ups work for things. Grown ups pay. Grown ups suffer consequences.
3: It'sn't like that, man. It's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So
2: just chill to the next episode.